to him or to her, he had been a policeman first, husband, lover and father afterwards. She caught her breath. There was an unexpected whiff of criticism in this reflection, and it pulled her up short, made her ask herself whether it was really true. She repeated the words in a whisper which came back to her gently from the shadowed room. A policeman first, husband, lover and father afterwards. Why on earth should such a thought enter her head now? Because he was two or three minutes late for an evening date, which was probably of much greater importance to her than to him. Of course, if she really thought that, thought he was taking her out simply to please or to humour her, then she could understand the unexpected trend of her thoughts. Unexpected, because they had come so suddenly and no vestige of them had shadowed her getting ready for the evening. Once he was here, they would vanish. No, she said aloud to herself. They won't vanish. They'll fade into the background and stay there painlessly for weeks, perhaps for months. Painlessly? If he was seriously delayed, if he had to call and tell her the evening was off, or seriously late, it would hurt whether there was justification in that or not. For some reason, she simply did not understand. She was feeling more strongly about, against, the lot of a policeman's wife than she had for a long time, certainly for years. When she made herself think back, she remembered that in the past few months he had been forced to call off an evening out or a much-anticipated family evening at home, more often than she could recall since he'd been promoted from Chief Detective Superintendent George Gideon to Commander of the Criminal Investigation Department, the highest step he could go, or as high as he was ever likely to allow himself to go. She looked out of the window again, saw no sign of him, and went back to the dressing table. She gave a perfunctory look at herself in the mirror, and another as she picked up pale, biscuit-coloured gloves of thinnest leather and a matching handbag. She wore a russet brown suit, not quite right for her grey eyes and colouring, but fitting perfectly. Juno-esque, they had called her at school, and Juno-esque she was still. If the reflections pleased her, her mood did not, and it was the mood which had the upper hand again when she reached the foot of the stairs. George must be ten or fifteen minutes late. The stairs behind her were steep, carpeted from wall to banisters, like the landing above and the four bedrooms, of which only theirs was now occupied. That could have something to do with how she was feeling, of course. Loneliness. Penelope, their youngest daughter, was touring Australia with a BBC symphony orchestra and would be away for several weeks, returning to be married almost at once. Malcolm, their youngest son, was also away, touring Europe with a group of youths about his own age. When he came back, he was going to ask them if they minded if he shared a flat with one or two friends, and they, she and George, would have to say that of course they didn't mind, that he must live his own life. The old trite truisms. True, certainly, but leaving the emptiness of the heart hollow and hurting. Why was her mind so full of the thought of hurt tonight? Was it because she had literally nothing to do, no one to prepare for? 
She walked listlessly through the living room, into the bright, recently refurbished kitchen, which had a window overlooking the long garden. The light was good enough for her to see the formal grass on one side, the crazy paving she and the boys had laid, and a herbaceous border bright with flowers. Everything was spick and span out there, even the vegetable patch beyond lawn and flowers, divided by a box hedge, over which could be seen the scarlet blossom of runner beans. The big refrigerator hummed. The kitchen glistened and glowed. I haven't enough to do, Kate Gideon exclaimed suddenly. A car door slammed outside. There he is, she exclaimed, and in spite of herself her heart leapt. She snatched another glance in a mirror on the passage wall, saw George's shadow approaching the coloured glass panels of the front door, and then with a clang of disappointment realised that it was...